When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you get injured as a result of somebody else's negligence, it can be a car accident, can be a slip and fall, medical malpractice, negligence security. If somebody else's negligence caused an injury to either you or one of your loved ones, give us a call. Our phone number is on our page. Our website is on our page and our email addresses are on our page. Please give us a call for a free consultation. We'd love to help you. Let Zach and I protect your rights. Hey, it feels incredible. Welcome to this edition of FOF Live presented by Burger and Hicks. As always, you could check out Burger and Hicks on Instagram, on even TikTok and their website. Or you could just DM Mr. Noah Burger for any questions there. Um, but we do have a very special episode for you tonight. As you can tell, we all do not have dates tonight as it is Valentine's Day. We'd rather be here with you guys talking to you about how much we love the Marlins and what we expect from them so far this spring training. But without further ado, let me introduce tonight's round table. Myself, we have the host, Daniel. We have Isaac, Kevin, Eli, Noah, who just came from Jupiter. Give us a whole rundown there. And of course, joining us, the man of the hour, Mr. Kyle Seeloff. Kyle, it's always great to have you on any of our shows. Uh, whenever I told you guys in the, in the green room, as they call it behind the, uh, behind the live, uh, portion of this, whenever you guys need me to do anything. And I'm, uh, I'm sorry to see that Cupid's not shooting his little bow and arrow everybody's way here tonight, but happy Valentine's day. <laughs> happy Valentine's day. We're all here. We all love each other. And we just love talking about the Marlins, of course. Um, and it is quite a week to, of information from the Marlins going from trades to DFAs to potential blockbuster trades happening almost any second, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I first wanted to get to Kyle um, and talk about first the front office, because you've had the opportunity to talk to a, uh, a majority of the new front office hires. I wanted to get your impression of these hires, maybe what you thought about them, maybe as you're interviewing them and how you expect them um, to come out in this new 2024 season. Uh, well, thank you for putting this graphic up, or I'd be here all night trying to remember everybody <laughs> that we've talked to. Um, but look, I'm really intrigued. And I, I have said this multiple times this off season, And I say this to the fans. I've talked to some of you guys 
Look, what they've done in the offseason, we've heard a lot about infrastructure. And infrastructure is not sexy. It's not going to sell tickets. But they've spent millions upon millions of dollars of the infrastructure of the organization. Stuff that is critically necessary if you want to have success. And it's it's not to say that, that they lacked everything before, but they have now been given resources that maybe we haven't seen before to spend a ton of money. And I reiterate, I know that's not going to sell a ticket. I know telling people that they've spent millions of dollars on all of these people, some interesting people. It starts with Peter Bendix. Gabe Kapler is a very interesting hire. Rachel Balkovec. Okay, we see the list, right? But I, I, it is so critically necessary when you talk about sustained success of an organization moving forward. If you don't have the infrastructure in place, to me, you're kind of winging it. And you're just hoping that what you have, you can get by. So I love everything they've done. I think it was very important for Peter to bring in people of different backgrounds. I don't think it was a joke when he talked about getting unique and different personalities. And maybe those will clash at times in terms of what they agree or disagree upon. But that's how you kind of build stuff, right? It's like seeking different opinions and getting different people's input. And you kind of filter it and you put it all together but they've made a lot of hires and they've spent a lot of money. And in my opinion, it is so very important. And I totally understand from a fan's perspective, if I get a front call from a front office rep, here's why you should buy season tickets this year. Cause we've spent a lot of money and given a lot of people money. You may never hear about, you might not care about them. I get it, but it's very, very important. And I think they've had a wonderful off season. We can talk about it, but I'm, I'm super pumped within reason to, to see what some of these folks can do. And so, you know, again, these are names that you met you people, you, we might never hear from them, right. That there are people that kind of stay off in the distance, but they're going to be vital to this organization's success moving forward. So I really love what they've done guys. Yeah. And with, um, you know, all those names, do you think there was maybe a certain mantra that you kind of heard common between all of them? Do you believe there was something common that each one talked about that could kind of pertain to the Marlins um, this season? It's a good question, Daniel. I don't know. I, I think what was common was that everybody was unique and different. Like that's what I, I, I felt like I heard that a lot and it was important to find people of different backgrounds, not just women, not just quite literally people of the other sex, but like, you know, Gabe Kapler is a name we've heard a lot about. That's, that's a unique dude. He told us he's not a beige wall. Got it. Totally get it. Right. You watch his Instagram. You can see his TikTok. He's walking across the, like he, he's not an ordinary guy, but there's something to that. You know, I, I think he's going to be here. Here's, I'll give you a perfect example of Gabe Kapler. I think he's going to be critical and vital to the organization of their dietary and nutritional needs moving forward. And nobody cares about that. But when those guys are not eating PB and J's and sucking down pasta every single night and they're, you know, putting good things in their body, that's how you become an athlete. Like to me, that's like a part of it that it's, it's, it's one of those weird things, but man, it's, it's important. So, you know, I'm sure he'll do a lot of heavy lifting there. I think Rachel has a very unique background. She comes from, you know, kind of strength and conditioning growing up in terms, and then was like, Hey, we, I think you could manage and right. He ends up doing it. So, I think the one thing I have found that has been common with all of these folks, Daniel, is that they've all kind of been unique and very different backgrounds. And Vinesh coming from um, a World Series, you know, title in Texas. So they've got some from what I understand and from what I read, I don't pretend to know it all. I've read up on all these folks like a lot of you guys have. 
they're unique people. They've had a lot of success, a lot of different organizations. That's when you take people from different organizations and start plucking them. That's a lot of stuff that they've soaked in over the years, too, from some very successful organizations. So that's what really intrigues me. Yeah. So uh, just to add on to that, um, Gabe Kapler was all around the fields today. Peter Bendix was was out there talking to players on the field today. Um, I saw Rachel on her way out to the backfields uh, with, uh, I think it was Frankie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all around hands-on very much in with everybody, among everybody. But Gabe was there from first thing in the morning. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're gonna, I, and you know, another thing, I think you're gonna see a lot of them. You know what? You know what's interesting too, and, and you asked me, Daniel, it's kind of common with some with some of them. They have experience like being in uniform, right? Like Rachel's coming from the top step of the dugout in a minor right. league organization. Gabe obviously has that from Philadelphia, most recently San Francisco. So like. I think you'll see some of them. I even asked Rachel, like, I, I just assumed that I shouldn't have. I was like, well, I guess you're out of like a uniform now. And she said, no, like if they, I, I like kind of getting my hands dirty, you know, and I, I'll put a uniform on and I'll go shag balls and I'll, I'll do that stuff. So I, th- these folks are invested. You know, I don't know how it ultimately turns out. I just love what they've done. And I love that they've spent a lot of money on a lot of these people in an effort to do this thing the right way. I hate that I have to preface it by saying they didn't do it right before. It's not what, a subject, what I'm suggesting at all, but it's just, I, I, I love what they're doing and, I, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. And and I have to add to, on, go ahead, Isaac. Um, no, I have to agree, Kyle. I think more brain power in that organization can only help. But uh, do you think that maybe a potential issue could be too much, too many opinions ever in a front office? Do you think that could come and be a little bit disruptive? when operating in front office or no? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't think so. Peter's coming from an organization where they were fully functional yeah. and staffed in the baseball operations mm-hmm. department. Like, I, I don't buy that there potentially is too many people and too many cooks in the kitchen per se. I right. mean, I think, you know, they're there. And I'm sure I would love to be a part of these meetings. I think it'd be really cool and fascinating to be yeah. at a round table with all these folks as they start to, you know, ingest information and digest things and what what is the proper course of action moving forward. I find that part of the game to be fascinating. Um, I know, again, it's funny because, like, I know a lot of people don't, right? Like, a lot of people care about if I'm going to spend money to watch this team, what I watch in the big leagues, they better be winning. And I totally get it. We're all baseball fans, right? But um, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by what they've done. Yeah, the big thing, too, is they're bringing in new minds that come from very successful organizations. You look at what Gabe Kapler did with the Dodgers specifically. I mean, he had a great minor league system, good development. He was able to bring up guys like Walker Buehler, Gavin Lux, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. you have Rachel Bokovic, who we'll see. I mean, she she had, I believe, Jason Dominguez on her minor league team, so definitely did something good there. There's a lot of good backgrounds, and it kind of feels like these new minds that you're bringing in bring kind of some – refreshment kind of to this organization because what was what what they had before just no offense it just wasn't working so you bring in someone like a frankie pillieri who i'm very excited to see what he's going to come up with i like i was very i liked what he said on on your interview kyle as well as what rachel Mm -hmm. said saying that she wants to be active within this organization not just you know sitting around watching these minor league teams but being out there active with the players because that's that's something at the end of the day that she loved doing and obviously she's going to do it with this team so there's a lot of good minds that they're bringing in i mean Compton is one that you're bringing in from the Texas Rangers that just won the World Series this past year. So you're bringing in a lot of great minds. And this was definitely something that had to happen at some point. Maybe it was maybe not now, but it was it was going to it was bound to happen. And now you're doing it with someone like Peter Bendix. So definitely 
I love the moves they've made in terms of the front office additions. And now Brandon Mann, who you're bringing in as well with pitching analytics, the drive line, it's something that's really necessary yeah. in this organization. Yeah. And look, I, I think a part of this is I have been fascinated by the hire of Peter Bendix because when you think about the Tampa Bay Rays and where he's coming from, the way in which they were successful for a decade plus now, right? It's like he knows the model of success for a team that and he inherits with a very similar situation. We're talking payroll, the way they're going to do things, right? He was at a place where it took people off for a long time before they got kind of comfortable being uncomfortable, selling guys at the highest possible value and making really good trades and just pumping out talent by making really tough decisions and unpopular decisions. And I'm, I'm sure there will be some of that. Um, you, you know, like it, it just, I, I, to me, that's some of it, right? I, all I can think about as a fan, is like, they got this guy, Peter Bendix. He comes from the Tampa Bay Rays. What have they done? They found a way to buy for a world series title for 10 plus years with very little, what people would say resources, but from what he has said, they had great people. Right. And he's a people person. He wants a good culture. Skip wants a good culture. So I, I you know, I, I, I don't know what more to say other than I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Really. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's, it's going to take some time. Um, but I, I think Peter has stayed true to his word when he said his goal was not to come here year one and just break the thing down. You know, and we can talk about the team, but they've lost two big pieces in Sandy Alcantara and Jorge Soler, you know, why can't Jake Berger and Josh Bell and a healthy jazz compensate for some of that power? You know, like they really have, I think they've, I think every move that he's made within reason, I think they've gotten better as an organization. I think they've put some terrific depth in the system, like true major leaguers that have been there that might start the season in triple a and when they're needed, they'll come up and you, and you feel confident that they can play at this level. Like, I think they've had a really good winner and the narrative that they haven't signed a major league free agent. I totally understand that. But my question is if they signed one, if they signed one person for one year and $3 million, is the narrative gone? I don't think so. Like, I I just like what, what would have taken for them to, you know, not get hammered five guys. I don't know, you know, but whatever I, I digress, but you know, I'm, I think they've had a nice winner. I really do. Uh I think if they were to maybe give someone, let's say like a J.D. Martinez, a local kid who would almost perfectly replace Jorge Soler's production, I assume he'd cost maybe $15 million. Maybe that would shut some people up, I'd assume. Maybe. Uh, me, probably. I, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think they're done either. I, I think there's right. this notion constantly that they, they've done nothing. Okay. I, I oh, Fine. Whatever. That's fine. I think they've made some really good moves. Um, and I don't think they're done. Like, I think, I think they're going to go sign a shortstop. I really think you're going to see them have a true major league shortstop on opening day. Again, I hate that I have to say this. It's not to be disrespectful to John Birdie or anybody, but like when you platoon that position, it's very hard to win in the big leagues. Skip did an amazing job last year. We've gone over that and kind of the situation. It's just very hard to platoon a premier position like that. And there's a couple of guys out there, you know, right? For me, Ahmed Rosario and Tim Anderson are two guys I think the Marlins are going to look at. And I really think you're going to see like a, a, a guy like that. I guess maybe there's only two left at this point. Be the shortstop for the Marlins on opening day. Uh, what about Nick Gordon, who they just acquired? Wouldn't he fit in a bit at shortstop? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And he's going to be, you know, I think people see that he's played outfield and second base and a little shortstop. And it's like, well, where is he going to play? You know, 
teams and good managers and good organizations, when you start to like, quote unquote, stockpile talent or whatever you want to say, and you start to have, you know, good players and stuff of that nature, um, you find places for them to play. And I think that's what you're going to see. And what you're going to find is that if Nick Gordon can put up numbers like he did in 2022, he's going to have some place to play every single night. And maybe I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe that results in a serious competition between him and Jesus Sanchez in right field. You know, I mean, that why that probably shouldn't be off the table. If he's capable of playing the outfield um, and the Marlins pride themselves on defense because they have one of the best pitching staffs, top to bottom in baseball, not just starting staff. But when you need elite defense and premier defense, it's not inconceivable to see an outfield of Brian De La Cruz, Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Nick Gordon running around out there and making plays and, you know, preventing runs from being scored. So I think you're going to find that you can always find a way to get good players in your lineup. And I think Skip is going to do that. And it's also, it's a good problem to have that we are chatting about this. And I'm not suggesting that there's 10, nine all-stars, but when you have to have the discussion about goodness, where are we going to play this guy? Cause I don't want to sit this guy. Yeah. That's a heck of a lot better than, well, I, yeah, we need that guy. Just please put him out there because whatever's out there now ain't working. So I, I think it's, they're in a good position. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, and something you and Steven mentioned on your last episode was, you know, this organization is now positioned in a way where these are kind of good situations to have. So you now have many options to, you know, with Nick Gordon, you could play all three outfield spots if need be, and you could play shortstop in second. So you have, sure. you know, now Jonah Bride as well joining the mix there. We'll see what he's made of. And you have Vidal Brujan. I mean, this organization last year just didn't have that depth, or at least they had the depth, but maybe not the same production that you would have wanted to get out of some of these guys. And now you have a lot of guys who have been productive, like a Nick Gordon. Vidal Brujan had a very nice winter league and a pitcher-friendly league. So a lot to take away from there. And Jonah Bride, I mean, the underlying stats show that he's kind of been unlucky. So, you know, another guy who we'll see what he does. Look, I think it's interesting you bring that up, Kevin, and a couple of things. And, you know, it's, it's surface level stuff, but anybody can go to like fan graphs or something and look at this stuff. Two things that intrigue me, Vidal Brujan and Nick Gordon are out of options. Right. You're not making that trade for Nick Gordon if you're just seeing what he can do in spring training. He's, he's going to be on the roster unless he gets hurt and needs to start the season on the injured list. For me, the same kind of applies with Vidal Brujan. I, I don't think this is let's see what we have in spring training. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be on the opening day roster. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I really have liked about the spring that the Marlins have kind of put, I'm sorry, the winter that they put together, a lot of the guys that they brought into the fold, it's guys looking to have bounce back type seasons. I would remove Christian Bethencourt from that a little bit, but right like Jonah Bride, the numbers would suggest that he's been a bit unlucky and he's a more productive major leaguer. And, and there's been multiple other guys. It's like, if we can get that bounce back and it just reminds me of the Rays, like they're just taking guys like that and fixing them basically. And uh-huh. that's kind of what intrigues me. And they're, and they're putting some depth in triple a, you know, I mean, when you take a look, you know, Trey Mancini's another one. The Marlins, they need a backup first baseman. Is that guy going to break camp? Can he, you know, muster some of what he did a, a couple of years ago? Xavier Edwards has options. You know, that's that's a guy who might get option at AAA. What a great problem to have if, if, yeah. if you need him. Jonah Bride's another one. He has options. So and nobody stays healthy. And, you know, we, we can have the conversation, the best team that they could put out there right now, and that's all fine and dandy, but there's a darn good chance that somebody gets hurt in spring training, position player-wise or a pitcher. 
You might see an Edwards or Bride break camp with the team. Maybe they do anyway. Maybe they just play their way right into it. But as it currently stands, in a world with perfect health, you have a pretty good problem on your hands, like having to make a tough decision, optioning an Xavier Edwards, a, a Jonah Bride, you know. So there, there's depth. I, I like what they've done, and I, I really don't think they're done. I really don't. So, so I agree with you, Kyle. And by the way, hi, how are you? Hi, Alex. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, sorry for being fashionably late as I always am, but, um, just to follow up on what you said and playing like the other side of this, right. I agree with you that they're creating depth where they can, right. Yep. But what the other side of this argument is of how the Marlins have constructed this off season in winter is they made the playoffs last year, right? Of course you were there. We mm-hmm. were all there. Um, and now they're bringing in guys that are looking to reclaim their careers pretty mm-hmm. much is what we can say, or at least bounce back from injury hampered seasons or lesser showings in AAA. And what they really don't have is proven major league talent. They they really don't have at a lot of positions. They don't have proven major league talent. So my question on this, because I know fans are going to want to know the answer to this question is we saw Bruce Sherman come to camp last year and say, we have money and we'll spend it. If he says that again this year, I don't think fans are going to buy into that because of how this winter has gone. So how do you win fans over fans over with the approach that they've taken this winter? How how do the Marlins win fans over and encourage them to come to Miami, encourage them to come to Marlins games? How do you do that after the winter that they've had? That's my question. Yeah, I, I think it's a very fair question, Alex. And I think it's hard. Like, uh, you know. Do, are more people going to show up if they have a $350 million payroll? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I, I, that's legitimately a question I always ask, right? Like, yes. you, you, I, yeah, sure. Okay. But so let, let, let me ask you this because I, I totally, totally understand. And I think that is very fair criticism, but, and I was doing this earlier when I, when I was just monkeying around, I was driving around to me. When you take a look at this off season, the Marlins acquire Christian Bethancourt. Is that an upgrade over Jacob Stallings? I would say so. Yeah. You yes. have Josh Bell at first base. You have the two-time batting title champion at second. I am fully convinced you're going to see like a Tim Anderson at shortstop or an Ahmed Rosario. If you put one of those guys at shortstop with Jake Berger at third in an outfield at some point that kind of features a De La Cruz, a Chisholm, a Sanchez, a Nick Gordon, something like that, and that pitching staff with Skip in charge, who's no nonsense and he's not going to tolerate nonsense, what – why can't that team vie for that final wild card spot? And I'm not trying to look at that. I'm not trying to be like the eternal optimist. I would love it if they spent $200 million and went and got JD Martinez tomorrow. And I, I understand that, um, you know, um, Tim Anderson might not be the guy he used to be, but he's probably a guy that would love a fresh start and just a breath of fresh yeah. air somewhere. We all understand that. I, I wish they'd spend a half a billion dollars. It'd be really fun. That, that's fun to monkey around with when you have that kind of money. But when I look at what they've done behind the plate, you get a full year of Josh Bell and Jake Berger who are going to compensate for some of the power that was lost from Jorge Soler. Jazz has to stay healthy. I know we have this conversation every single year and something goes wrong and he misses 70 games. But if the kid doesn't, if he only misses 20 and he plays 140 games, 135 games, I think they're going to make up for the lost power. I think they have a little bit of depth in the starting pitching department, by the way, which was obviously a point of contention at the end of last year when they simply ran out of it. I don't think there's any way to beat around the bush. Like I, 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 that that's just my question. Like why can't this team vie for that third and final wild card spot 
in the National League. And again, they have to stay moderately healthy. But Alex, I think it's very fair. I think it's a very fair question. And I don't try to look at it with glass half full. I'm just looking at it realistically with what they're playing with right now. And I think they've gotten a little better. They've lost so there and they've got to find the innings from Sandy. If they can do that, why can't this team be competitive in August and September? I, maybe I'm totally wrong, but we'll see. I guess the devil's advocate argument would be sort of, you know, why for the third wildcard spot? Why shouldn't they be, you know, putting all chips forward? Obviously, you need sustainable success, but they just made the postseason. Maybe try and be second in the division. I know the Braves are just unreachable, but try and be the first wildcard team. You know, it's not just sneaking sure. into the postseason. It's winning the damn thing, you know? And just to add on to what Isaac said, I mean, I think you mentioned this too, Isaac. I mean, the Mets don't look like they're going to compete very right. much this year. Nationals still have another year left. I mean, it's kind there's of open for the Marlins. There's a, there's a bit of a window because you look at the other teams that didn't do really well, actually, like the Padres, the Cardinals, those teams that, that they didn't get much better either. So there's still another window for your wild card hopes and maybe to be first. But And I do agree they got better. They unequivocally got better this offseason. But I think they're just like one big move away from saying, okay, hey, we can uh, compete for the division. And, and, I, and I, you I, see I, what – oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Noah. Go ahead. Seriously. And you ahead. see what the diamond what happened with the Diamondbacks. You, you make it right. into the playoffs, anything can happen. Look, but, I, I, I will say get this. There. Six teams from the National League make the postseason. Why can't the Marlins be one of them with the roster that they have? I, am I totally wrong on that? Like they, they can pitch really well. Yeah, me, I, I, and maybe not just the third and final. Okay. Right. Just go. Just go, man. Like I yeah. think people underestimated last year the importance of Skip Schumacher and the yeah. difference that he made. Like, I'm telling you right now, and you guys know this, but it's, it's just a wins. culture. It's just no nonsense. It's like if you're here in this clubhouse, we're winning. Like, every yeah. day, if it's the middle of June, it's a getaway day. You've lost three in a row. We're winning today. And we're flying home. We're going to go win the next day. And that's kind of like what he's instilled in these guys. And it just gives me a lot of belief and a lot of confidence. Yeah. And I'm sure Skip is saying, Hey, give me a couple more guys. Give me a couple more guys with my pitching staff. Right. I'll see. We'll see what they do. They're not done. I know it. they're not yeah. done. And I'm sure they'll sign a major league free agent. We can put that whole thing to bed, but I truly believe even with the roster that they have currently just constructed, there's no, that that's like, it's not a hundred loss team. Sorry. It's not I like, agree. that's a very competitive team. The one that they're going to put on the field this year. And again, Peter Bendix, very true to his word. Didn't come here and say Sayonara to 15 guys. And I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And you know, so yeah. be it. I agree. They're not a hundred loss team, but I also don't think that they're an 84 win team again. So just because they were very, very lucky last year, all those one run wins, all those clutch moments. Can we really bank on those things happening again? That, that you kind of look at it. And That'd be the other argument. But then you look at Philly and look at that postseason. I mean, the Marlins didn't have their luck at all there. I mean, yeah. and then you look at the the wild card. I mean, the Marlins are the worst offensive team to ever make the playoffs, according to uh, run differential, negative right. 57. I mean, you can't bank on – I mean, and you're, on top of that, you're losing Jorge Soler, who is arguably your most clutch player on this team. You're losing 200 innings, 200 strikeouts of Sandy Alcantara. I mean, I, I really can't see this team winning 84 games, but – they could prove us wrong once again, and they could have their Marlins magic and have the most one-run wins in baseball again. Well, um, here, here's the other. Here's the other thing too. They haven't lost a lot in the way of pitching, okay? And they have really good guys that can pitch, not just starting, but obviously relievers and guys that can close it out. The way that this team is constructed, it's really hard to find yourself down like three or four runs a night. They're very tightly contested. 
all the time. And it's probably not an offense that's going to blow you away. And I understand that they were lucky last year in the one run win department, but they were in those positions kind of because of the way that they were constructed. Like we're going to pitch really well. And we're, you know, if we're going to lose, we're going to, we're going to lose by a run or two. And of course everybody gets, you know, their lids blown off once in a while, but you know, there's a reason they were able to come back via one swing in the eighth inning or whatever. So like, I'm I'm high on them, and I'm not trying to say that they're going toe to toe with the Braves here or whatever. But dude, like the, the, this team, I, I just feel like the narrative has gotten out there because they haven't signed one single major league free agent that they've blown the whole thing up and they're no good. I just yeah. stop. It's a lot of the same guys, same team, good same baseball team. players, man. Like they can pitch; they're good players. And who's to say if they're in contention in the middle of this summer? Like, can we discuss that they would try to upgrade the team? Well, yeah, why? You know, why not? They did it last year. Bruce Sherman opened his pockets and said, "Hey, yeah. here's resources. Go make the right moves." And they did. Kim made the right moves, and Bell and Berger helped propel them into the playoffs. So let's yeah. roll the dice. I don't think they're done. I think they're going to go sign somebody that people are going to be very happy with, and let's see how it plays out, man. They could have 15 injuries. The whole thing could blow up. They could start right. winning some crazy games again, and all of a sudden, it's the middle of July with the trade deadline breathing right down your neck and it's go time and it's time to make yeah. a move. And yeah. And even without Sandy, this is still, I was telling, I think I've mentioned yeah. this on a couple of issues. This is still a really good rotation. You have Luzardo, oh, yeah. Gary, Brax, Trevor, Cabrera. Edward Cabrera, but Edward Cabrera is still in the rotation. So um, it's still one of the better rotations in the national league itself. And maybe even based so let, let me ask you guys something. That's I think it's interesting you bring up the starting pitching. Lazardo, it's assuming Lazardo's not going anywhere. Yuri, Garrett, Rogers. I'll say Cabrera lost at last, and here's why. There's rumors out there that he's being dangled to Pittsburgh. So if Edward Cabrera gets traded, is AJ Puck your fifth starter? No. I hope no, not. No, that was a quick no. Why not? No. Why not? He's not a starter. But he was, and the Athletics were going to make him a starter last year until yeah. the day that the Marlins traded for him. I just don't, see it. I just don't you, see it with you him. You can say it like this, Noah. He's not proven yet. And right, let, me, I, let me ask. And you still have Ryan Weathers, who's right. Who they say, they say swing man, but if Edwards gone, I mean, you, you're going to have to go Ryan Weathers. And you still have Max Meyer, who I know you don't like as a starter, Isaac, but Max Meyer was at one point the top prospect in this organization, and there's a reason he was. I mean. He ramped up really quickly through the minor leagues. There's a lot to like with those two guys. So I, I think I think Puck, I think it's either Puck or Weathers who would take the fifth spot. And I'm super intrigued by AJ Puck being a starting pitcher. I don't know how it's going to go. Obviously, he was one of the best in the country when he's in college. We're talking some years back now, um, and, and yeah. you know he was very very good out of the bullpen last year. He struggled at times, but all in all, I thought he had a great season. Um, and there's depth. You know, what does Max Meyer look like in a couple of months when he gets his feet wet in AAA? And, you know, there's a multitude of other guys. And obviously you have guys in, in, in a pinch, um, you know, smelter, non-roster invite. Yes, hoeing. The one thing that they have done that I do like, and as long as guys, non-roster invitees, don't latch on with somebody else and that happens or whatever, if they can stockpile some guys that have starts in the big leagues in AAA – you're just you're not worried about it when you need it. It just felt like at times last year it's like, where's how who, you know, yeah. who's starting? They lost him. Who's starting? Right. Like now it feels like there's some depth in that every team needs depth in terms of starting pitching. Um, but we'll see. 
It's so many hold questions. Up. It's so many hold questions. that thought real quick, Alex. Hold that thought real quick. We're at the 30-minute mark. Let's go into a little break. We'll come back. Everyone, refresh, rewind. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about pitchers right. and catchers. We'll talk about the roster moves that the Marlins have made, dfa and we'll get into a lot more things and end up with some dating advice from mm. Kyle on this Valentine's Day. So stay tuned. I need it. Actually doing this. We have been representing people injured as a result of other people's negligence for over 50 years here in South Florida. If you get injured as a result of somebody else's negligence, it can be a car accident, can be a slip and fall, medical malpractice, negligence security. If somebody else's negligence caused an injury to either you or one of your loved ones, give us a call. Our phone number is on our page, our website is on our page, and our email addresses are on our page. Please give us a call for a free consultation. We'd love to help you. Let Zach and I protect your rights. All right, and we are back. I don't know if we had a flip flish. I wasn't. I wasn't told of that. I, I didn't know. I didn't we can know. go into it quickly for some yeah. levity in here and a transition. Um, and this is an easier version that I think even Kyle couldn't handle. Okay, a few seconds to ponder over it. What we do, Kyle, is that we come up with these mystery players who are former Marlins players that have since left. They're since they're doing something else now. They've flipped and for this one <laughs> this is isaac's idea but his general your chance idea. to redeem yourself for jeopardy yeah but this one is a slightly different style we're picking mm. in the spirit of spring training we're picking somebody who's a former marlin that's now a non-roster invitee at somebody else's camp so richard this is Blyer. actually this is yeah 36 year old lefty that's why 36 year old lefty born in miami beach <laughs> That is, is a actually? new record. That's a new record for correct <laughs> response time. This is Richard Blyer, lefty from Miami Beach. We'll get to see good him. Career we'll numbers, see not him. so good in 2023. Do you know what camp he's in this year? What team he is with? In Washington Nationals. That's right. I don't have any Nationals Kyle. pictures of him yet, but There's yeah, there he is as a Marlin. He's got a lot of land up in uh, Palm Beach County. He hunts a lot of hogs. Shoot some right dead, boys. Mm. All right. Let's get in a little bit of uh, some topics, some news that kind of broke last night. Uh, again, smaller moves, minor league deals. But again, the Marlins are making moves. They did sign Yoni Chaninos, um, who has time from the Rays, who Peter Bendix knows, another guy who could potentially eat, eat innings, could come in, be a spot starter for the Marlins, and also Kurt Casale, who had a down year last season, but with the Giants was one of the better defensive um catchers as well as backup catchers uh, in baseball. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on these two players real quickly because we still have more topics to discuss, including uh, Jordan Gross and to the Yanks. But uh, are those two guys, Chorinos and, uh, and, and Casale, is there one that intrigues you guys the most? Is there one that you could see a guy break camp? I do like Chorinos a lot. Well, not a lot, but I, I like the signing. It's a good depth piece. He was with Tampa for about three years until this past year, until he got DFA'd and the Braves took him. Uh, but he was pretty good. He made a couple starts here and there. I think 2018 was his best year, if I recall. And it's not a bad pitcher by any means. It's only 30, I think 30, 31. So still in the early ages of his um, 30s, which is good. And uh, it's a good depth piece to have at the end of the day. You need pitching. You can never have enough pitching. And he's someone who has started games and could come out of your bullpen. So a strong spring for... Um, 
Uh, Chirinos could probably get him on the roster too. They still have options. They just traded Okert, so we'll see. And then um, Kirkus Alley is a great defensive catcher, so definitely good to have. Skip mentioned during uh, the winter meetings that he wanted someone who um, who pitchers liked throwing to, and that's what Kirk Casale fits that mold. The offense is not good, but um, you, you wrote that in your article, and I did not like that because by catcher standards, he's actually in his career, he's actually been pretty solid, like an 89 WRC. Plus. Look at his 2020 season. That's yeah. all you have to look at. He's had a few years, especially last year was a lost year. He had an injury, a foot injury. And then when he's coming back from that, he had some sort of illness that like ditched his rehab assignment. But this is earlier in his career. Like he, he had a year like little spurts where his power really shows out. And I think it was just important to have a third catcher that has major league experience on this panel. We have some Will Banfield advocates. We have some Paul McIntosh advocates as well, but neither of those guys have any big league experience. No, none of the other catchers outside of Fortes and Benthancourt did. So to have somebody like that is a plus. And he has had stretches of his career where coincidence or not has coincided with some incredible pitching performances. He was with the 2021 Giants. That was the sh- most shocking team in the league in 2021 where they won a million games. And there was a streak where he caught, I believe it was five consecutive shutouts, obviously with different pitchers every single time. Um, and just from, yeah, from what I've read about Casale, I think he is just a pro typical, really high character, knowledgeable catcher to have in camp. So whether he squeezes, Kevin did note this in the article about how the Rays have sometimes had stretches where they've squeezed three catchers onto the active roster at the same time. I don't know if that really suits what the Marlins have right now with all the other guys at other positions who are out of options and et cetera. But maybe at some point during the year, there is a situation where we see Casale in the big leagues, whether or not there's an injury that there's, uh, there's creative possibilities out there that could have him involved and have him help during the season. You've also lost depth, right? Um, especially at the AAA level, they've lost, de- lost depth in terms of catching. Um, they needed to push up one of McIntosh or Banfield last year, and they kind of got stuck on the same team because they had some depth up at AAA. Now that depth is gone. So, um, yeah, signing Casale as a guy that that could be like that, that's the, that first or second AAA catcher if he doesn't make the, the, the major league roster and then be the guy on call while Banfield and McIntosh work out, you know, continuing to fill out and completing their, their, their mind league journey is, is totally fine. Um, I would say devil's advocate side of it is he's 35 and he just missed a full year. Got to see how that plays out for him, but no, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's great defense and his, his offenses for a catcher, not horrendous historically. So it's fine. Um, like I said, depth of your move and it's good to have, especially behind the plate, it's good to have an older guy around sometimes. So it's fine. It was a good signing. I, I, I wasn't mad about this one. Yeah, I, I would. Something we haven't really mentioned yet is Jonathan Davis, Kyle. Jonathan Davis is back, and he was such a spark plug to this mm-hmm. team playing center field. It was really a heartbreaking scene when we saw him um, get injured out there in center field. Is he someone that you think can make this ball club, or is he sort of blocked by all the other outfield options, including Avi and Nick Gordon now? I don't know if I mean, it feels like he's blocked. It feels like. Um... I wrong. I mean, what do you? I, it's it's hard would hard you, to see him on an opening day roster unless I'm yeah. missing something. I mean, again, would you agree with with him being an insurance policy right now? 
he's basically an insurance policy if Jazz or one of the other guys goes down. Would you agree with yeah. that notion? I mean, that he he's also a candidate. If he has a good spring, somebody could pick him up at the tail end if he's not going to make this team. You know, that's uh, that's a very viable option as well. Um, I'd also keep him around for just for for the sake of vibes. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, if we're doing vibe roster spots, it's taken up one, but we could we could do uh, that. That's all under advisement, all under consideration. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just the what we talked about earlier, especially those two guys being out of options with uh, Bruhan mm-hmm. and Gordon. Like, yeah. Again, Nick Gordon is on the team. You don't make that trade to to see what he looks like in spring training. And right. again, Bruhan, former yeah. top five guy in the race system. I mean. The, Unless I'm missing the boat on this too, I think they're banking on that dude being really good at some point in the big leagues, like putting it together. And he's out of options. So, you know, you know, maybe not obviously a high profile trade, but when you're able to acquire a guy like that, that you still feel like he did everything. It's actually similar to Jonah Bride a little bit. He's done everything that he needs to do in the, in in the minor leagues. Um, Ruhan did it. Bride has done it. Um, they both had a cup of coffee in the big leagues. Hasn't gone particularly well, but they're going to get an opportunity, both of them. But I think, obviously, to start Bruhan, I think he's going to be on the team. I really, really yeah. do. And he gives you versatility. Not only does he play yeah. the infield, but he could also play you multiple outfield spots. So it's good to have someone like him. And, I mean, it's really encouraging when you see what he did in, in winter ball. So oh yeah, uh, definitely that. And he could take that momentum into spring. So a lot to like about Bruhan, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then they did give up a, a pretty decent haul for him and Fauché. It wasn't, you know, a, a cheap price to get he and Fauché here. So I definitely think that they'll both be on the opening day roster, especially Fauché. They need a lot of right-handed relief help, and I think he can definitely help out. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, it's I know a lot of what they've done is kind of like been unpopular, maybe some unsexy type moves because it just doesn't move the needle because it's not the the star that you hear about all the time. But it's important to make moves like this because number one, you don't know how it's going to turn out. If you have really good player development and something, yeah. you can unlock something in the, you know, like you so oftentimes I've always been so like perplexed by this because obviously none of us have ever been on that field or know what it's like, but guys will often say things like they just unlock something and it freed me up. Yeah. What does that mean? Like really, but can they unlock something in a couple of these guys? And again, it's, it's, it's the Rays way. It, yeah. It's going to sound like we're beating a dead horse here in a, in a drum, but like it's the Rays way, man. If you have good player development, you can unlock a little something. You strike gold. It's very, very low risk in ginormous high reward. If you can turn one or two of these guys into big leaguers, and obviously they're inexpensive with a ton of team control. We were talking uh, today, Jordan and I, at, uh, at the fields. We were talking with Mel Stoudemire Jr. Mm. for a bit. Um, and he mentioned about unlocking things in players. Specifically, he mentioned Tanner Scott, unlocking that confidence to be in the ninth inning and just uh, just the way he carries himself and the way he goes into his workouts and everything. He just was hammering home the fact that Tanner Scott unlocked something. And we asked him, what, what about who's the next guy he needs to unlock something in? And he went straight for Edward Cabrera from the neck up. He says it is all mental for Edward, and he just needs to get over that hump, and he'll be lights out. Do you guys believe Edward is going to be here by the time? I was just going to ask Kyle's opinion on this because it's such a fascinating topic. He's also out of options. He This is someone that probably has the best stuff in the entire organization. He has five pitches. He's a large man. He could definitely 
pitch out of the rotation, I think, and if not a lights-out reliever, what would you do if you were in Mr. Bendix's shoes? Because obviously we've heard rumors. We don't know if anything's going to come to fruition. We don't know anything. What would you do with Edward Cabrera? Me personally, I'd keep him, lock him in as your number four or five starter because I think he has ace potential. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing, obviously. If you're going to trust that things can improve from the shoulders up, you know, you have to be super confident in that because if you start the season and it's not going well and he's out of options, all of a sudden the hamster wheel gets going like, okay, well, now what are we going to do when we DFA him, right? Like, okay, we've got to make a move because he's hurting us. And that, that this is the worst case scenario, but obviously this is something that could arise. If you go into this thing is that we're not going to trade him, we're going to keep him. He's going to mm-hmm. be our fourth or fifth. Start. It really doesn't matter. Once you go through one turn in the rotation, right. it doesn't matter where you are, but right. Like all of a sudden there's a bit of a predicament if it's not going well, and then you got to make decisions. And so, so yeah. we understand now the other side of it, it's really hard for me to not give him another chance. Thanks. There's just too much stuff. Like, the one that really sticks out, weren't we in Milwaukee last year and he he fired like five shutout innings, maybe walked like a ton in his first inning, but then settled in and just started rifling through yeah. guys? That yeah. might be revisionist history, but something happened in Milwaukee. I was like, where is this dude back? You know? And you start he puts that together and you're like, did he turn that corner? Because look at that. I see a lot of red. I, I understand on uh, Baseball Savant. That's really good. We can run with that, right? Like there's something there. There's obviously – you don't – I would say just by looking at that picture, somebody put me in a front office. This would be great. I, I ain't moving that. Sorry. I, I, we got to work on the walks, obviously, because he walks the yard. But everything else, there's a lot to like, you know. So very, very hard for me to see them moving him unless they have something up their sleeve where we're going to move him and we know exactly what turn we're going to make after that and fill that need. We'll see. Thank goodness yeah. it's not my decision. I know that. That's a tough I one, agree. right? That's really tough. It's not an easy one. Uh, I just, I think he showed enough last year that it'd be hard to not give him at least a two months. But like you said, it's a gamble. It's a, it's mm-hmm. like the, the exact definition of a gamble. You either hold on to him and hope he shows something in April and May, and if not, you kind of screwed up all his value. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't envy Peter Benix's position, but I mean, just from his last, what was it, 11 games started, he was. Pitching almost lights out. He was walking, what, almost six guys per nine, but he was still pitching really well and minimizing damage. And something's there. Something's there. So, yeah, that's on, on a per inning basis, he's a really fascinating guy. To me, what why I am down on him is just the lack of – I don't see the path to him working deep into games when he's so inefficient with how he uses his pitches um, with the, the – recurring issues he's had with blisters that have drawn him out of some games and also just general durability as well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he, he, you know, he, when he was, when he was coming up, people have short memories. Just a few years ago, people were comparing him to Sandy. He's built yeah. like Sandy. He has stuff like Sandy. And it's just, yeah. um, it's complicated to forecast exactly how a body will hold up when they have major league workload. And even last year, he was interrupted a little bit by a relatively minor injury by his standards. That's the, yeah, the thing is the combination of him not being available all that much. And even what he's on, it just, it's a lot of effort to get through his innings and deep into the games. Like it's all, all this pieces are interconnected. Um, Eli, that's a good point too, because the job of the baseball operations department is to forecast and project. And if you're projecting that, 
five and dive catches up to you in a hurry. Yeah. Because now you're eating innings in a bullpen, and boy, the season is long. We saw that a lot last year, right? Some really good performances, but when you're five and dive, dude, it's it's hard with no off days in sight to, you know, piece that thing together. You so saw that, it. the bullpen died. The bullpen started to literally die at the like at at some points last season because they were just overworked. Yeah, that's and that's Eli. You make a good point. That's that's another thing to the Cabrera mix. You know, like yeah. if he's really really good, but he's struggling to get you that you work into the sixth inning. You know, it does it. It puts pressure on a lot of other guys in a very long season and. It's not just that night. It's it's the trickle down effect of what you know that might cause in games ahead if you had to blow somebody out for two wins. You know, so you're you're absolutely right. Again, comes back to that's a really tough decision, and I tend to believe that when you kind of see that stuff out there, like it's it's been out there enough. I'm sure there's a little smoke to that fire. It's probably a thing, and I'm sure they're taking phone calls and. Um, mm-hmm. that's going to be a tough one if they ultimately decide to move him or keep whatever they decide to do. That's a tough decision. I'll bring up a fun fact about Mr. Cabrera. And um, I, I, I think I agree with Isaac mostly that this guy just has great stuff. And I think you should just give him one more year. I, I, I really do. I think, I think that you should um, just try to try to give him just that chance to prove himself just, just mm-hmm. one more year. I mean, he's been hampered by injuries. He's had stuff going on, you know, it's been up and down. So I think one more year is fair. What I would say overall is the first pitch that he throws in at bats. Um, if you look at split stats, split stats for Cabrera, First pitch of at-bats, hitters that swing at it, touch him up for a 1.012 OPS. So uh, that is insane. Um, If you swing at the first pitch and you know it's going to be his fastball, it's probably going to go a long way. And I really see it. If you look at heat maps and look at control numbers and stuff like that that he does on the first pitch, he grooves the fastball a lot of the time on the first pitch. That's going to get fixed. Um, He also has thrown the changeup a lot. We saw that last year. It was kind of going away from the fastball and going to the changeup. Hitters kind of sniffed that out as well. So whatever pitch it was, they were ready for it, and he got really hurt on first pitches of at-bats. I think it's getting ahead with strike one. That is a lot of Edward Cabrera's problem, and then letting the control consist from there, which is something that he has not done either. So now, whether it's I, Alex, I think go, that's interesting. Who's the gentleman they just hired to over who came from driveline or whatever? What's his name? Brad, I'm sorry. Brandon. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he's yeah, our Lord and uh, Savior, but what's this guy going to do? You know, these are people you don't really see that are yeah. working on them computers and standing behind them with iPads and running all these numbers. You know, what's a guy like that do with some of these guys? You know, because you're like all of that stuff is kind of surface level stuff. It's very easy to go find that information. Like this is what was happening. Like they know that. And can they unlock a little something? So, you know, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but it's all very interesting. Yeah, and then, you know, Car- Alex mentioned the the first strike thing, and I know it's a reliever, but look at Tanner Scott. One year to another, his first pitch ended up being the difference to what was an amazing season. So mm-hmm. not maybe whatever Tanner was doing, Edward could take some of that too. But, you know, I'm, on, I'm like in the middle here because if you get a good package for Edward, you're not complaining. I mean, you're going you're gonna to improve your farm system. You're going to get some sort of major league piece back. But then you're losing a pitcher, and that's losing depth. And it's someone like Edward, who not too long ago, as Eli mentioned, this guy was compared to Sandy Alcantara. This guy was right. the number one pro- – this was like the Yuri for the Marlins when Yuri wasn't Yuri yet. And he has, a, he has some really nasty stuff. And if he could just put down the walk radio just a little bit, man, that's, that's really all you're asking at this point. Because 
every single time he's been called yeah, up to the nice. leagues, his walk rate has been – it's been high. It's been very high. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I was looking at it today, and it was – I know he had a six-something walk per nine in 2022. Yeah. All I have to he look at like is, that, is, the, is the walk percentage down there in the stat cast. That's just – oy. The and one then, percentile. Exactly. I mean – if he could just get that down, that's all you really want. But I'm not complaining if you get a really good prospect package back along with some sort of major leaguer. I know G- G1 Bay was mentioned there. I don't know how to feel about exactly him, but uh, I like the prospects that were mentioned. But we don't have time to go into all of them. And our host decided to leave. Uh, the last thing He's I'll really say good. is we, we mentioned the five-inning thing. It's just he struggles to get those eight-pitch innings, and it's very difficult. Someone else who kind of struggles, obviously had a career year, is Braxton Garrett. So one of them, Edward Cabrera, is sort of not at, at the highest value right now. Braxton Garrett is at the highest value he'll ever be at. So which one would you sort of dangle in trade talks? That's interesting because neither of them really will give you more than five innings. But one of them was really effective. The other one can be way more effective if he unlocks the link. The other one's a safer bet. So that's like an, always an interesting comparison for me. Obviously, totally different pitchers. It could not be more different. But both of them give you the same amount of innings pretty much. Now, you, you guys tell me this. Here's something I felt. I, I felt this with Braxton Garrett. It's like they almost didn't trust him to go more than five. But then yeah. when he started to do it, they were like, oh, no, he can do it. I, I, I felt that. I, I, yeah. There's something to back that up. I felt like very early in the season because I there's – you just look at it. It's like a soft-tossing lefty. You know, it's not 98 to 99 with a ton of strikeouts. There he is. There's the man. Um, I hope his kitty's doing well. He has a great cat that he loves. Braxton does. Um, but right. Like the kind of the soft tossing lefty who induces a lot of contact, you know, people when they make contact, they hit it hard. To me, it felt like it took a while for the coaching staff and the manager to trust Mm -hmm. that he was through five pitch count was reasonable, but they're like, Nope, that's good. Thank you again. Thank you. We're good. And then they started, I felt like they started to trust him and they let the leash off and he was giving them, you know, more than the five. So I love Brax. I think that is yeah. such a breath of fresh air in today's game, too, when you're seeing 97 to 100 night in and night out, and he's just kind of from the side, lefty, you know, picked up that cutter on the fly last year in the big leagues. That's insane. Um, I love Brax. Yeah. I would not let him go. Yeah, it, Mel it also mentioned – Mel also go. mentioned loosening the reins a bit on Yuri, which I'm excited to yeah. see. And yeah, I don't think at any point this spring they're going to say, I don't think you're ever going to hear somebody say, this is what we're doing with him this year. I right. genuinely believe he's going to go out there every fifth or sixth day, and I'm sure yeah. they'll take care of the young man when there's an off day and they're capable of doing so. I will be stunned if at any point this season you get a hard cap on innings or yeah. starts. I just don't yeah. think you're going to see it. I don't think Skip and his staff are wired that way. I think they'll be cognizant. I think they will be on the same page as the baseball operations department. Um, and they will do what's best for the young man. But I don't think we're going to go out of spring training knowing he's going to get two weeks off in July. He will not throw more than 155 in the third innings, and that's going to be it, and he's done again. I, I, that's not going to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, that has to happen. That, that, that What you just said, Kyle, has, has to happen uh, at this point in, in Perez's career. Uh, he's ready. Take the reins off, like you said. It's, it's enough. Like mm-hmm. Just let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's also good to hear because when we had Skip on Unfiltered, I, I think I was either Isaac or I asked him, can we expect more than 124 innings around there? That was the range that he pitched between the majors and the minors. And Skip said, yeah, of course. I mean, this is a guy who is now 20, I want to say, 2021, and 
you've got to let him loose at some point. And that's definitely <laughs> well, the name. That... He is still the youngest pitcher yeah. in the majors. So... I'm not suggesting that means 32 starts in 220 innings. It's not. No, obviously there, not. Right. But, but I mean, I don't yeah, ramp it up slowly. Right. I don't think you're going to see the midsummer shutdown. You won't see that. Just they're going to take care of him, but he's going to pitch. I think he's going to pitch all season long. There might be starts where, you know what, if he's through six innings on 88 pitches or something, it might take him. But I think you're going to see him make it. And I I totally understand. I've always been in the school of thought again. This is just me talking nonsense as somebody that loves the game. What the heck? He's 21 years old. Turn it loose, big boy. But I understand the game is just littered with billions of dollars. You have to protect players. I understand that. And they will protect him, but they're not going to be shy with him. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you saw it a couple of times last year with the innings limit on when he's like, you know, 88 pitches through five and they take him out. Come on. Like, (laughs) come on. Seriously. Like, like, just let the guy go. I I mean, and I get it. I get the protection. I do. I, I, I do understand that as well especially for a guy that has gone through some minor injuries and stuff like that. So I get it, but protecting the investment, it's not really an investment at this point because they didn't pay a lot. But what I mean is protecting the future. I do understand, but at some point it has to be enough. And I, I think that's going to be this year. I, like, like you said, Kyle, I, th- I really do think that that's true that you'll see more Yuri Perez in 2024, which if you don't, they're going to have a hard time winning. I thought there was an impact last year when he was option, and I thought that was real, and I thought the, the clubhouse probably felt that. Again, this is just my opinion, folks. I'm just, as an outsider, just kind oh, of yeah. watching it. And, but, like, they have to compensate for how many innings missed from Sandy now. Like, that, that's not all on one shoulder or two shoulders. That's an entire rotation, and that's going to require guys to be pushed a little bit. And when you're coming around turn four of the Kentucky Derby, you better take that whip and hit the horse a little bit, right? Like, we got to go. So I think you're going to see that, and guys are going to get pushed. You have no concerns with Lazardo. You have no concerns with Braxton Garrett. They will be cognizant of what they do with Yuri. Um, Trevor. Trevor's a wild card, man. To me, what, what, do what, are you get? what are you going to get? Is there going to be a 2021 version out there? Can he stay healthy? Like, they've obviously acquired some depth here. Ryan Weathers fascinates me, a guy that was pulled up way too early, way too young in 2020 in the COVID thing with the Padres and the Dodgers got yanked up and down, reminded me a little bit of Brad Hand. Maybe that's a bad comparison, but I just think about that. Um, Just pulled up too young, I thought. Um, Weathers, him when we, I don't know if you saw that thing Stephen and I did with him, but I was just in, I was hanging like by a thread, whatever the kid was saying. I was like, whoa, you know, it feels like he knows exactly what he wants to do. And he mentioned multiple times or just once, but kind of reiterated it, what the change did. And when he got to Jacksonville last year, it just seemingly like he just took a deep breath and exhaled and just got back to the roots of what he does. And uh, I know it's closing day and everybody had flights to catch. I was really encouraged by what I saw in Pittsburgh on that final day as well. Yeah. And do you guys believe there are any guys maybe currently in the system you could go triple double A that could potentially have some spot starts in the season come and get those innings? Uh PJ here mentioning Patrick Monteverde. Is that maybe the only guy or do you guys see someone else that could potentially come up? I'll throw one your way and you guys can take over the rest because I, I try to stay up to date on all this stuff. I think Max Meyer is going to contribute this year. Sure. I wouldn't say he I agree. It's, a, it's a must, but that kid's got some stuff. And if he's healthy, um, I've always said he is wired a little differently. 
he ticks a little differently. And I mean mm-hmm. that in a good way. Something happens when he crosses over that line and goes to the pitcher's mound where, you know, he, he's nobody's going to beat him. I think he's going to be a major contributor for the Marlins this season. It's not going to be to start. I don't think you can do that to the young man coming off Tommy John because guys will get out there on that mound in the big leagues. They, they get all out of sync. They get out of whack mechanically because they're trying to do too much. I think if you see him start off really well, I assume it would be AAA. Maybe I'm off on that. Wherever he starts, he's going to be ripe for the picking to come to Miami pretty quick, I think. There he is. All over. Yep. Yeah, Craig yeah, was mentioning all those things. Go ahead, Isaac. I just, Craig was mentioning all that about his personality. He's a bulldog out there. And, uh, yeah, I am, I am intrigued to see what he can do. I agree with you, Kyle. He'll probably start in the minors. And as soon as they need a guy, probably in the middle of the year, I think he's got to be one of the first men up. Yeah, and then the other name I think was mentioned in the comments, Pat Monteverde. Really good year. Struggled at AAA, but still a lot to like from from what he did. And uh, definitely the name to keep an eye on. Really can't think of another start. I mean, Yoni Chirinos. Would you guys How about Maldonado as a reliever? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think you should crack make the, the team. roster. I, I think, think he did the team. Yeah, I, I think he's got – in the bullpen part of it, I think he's got a chance to make the ball club. Out of spring yeah. training, Skip told us he was someone that they really wanted to bring up. And then, yeah, I think those are the main guys that are, are pretty safe bets to be contributing on the mound in 2024 for sure. So, so here, here's my thing, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Just because many people don't know the name and they want to bash the organization for doing nothing, right. like, why can't this team compete? Maldonado's got some sick stuff. I've seen some video. You're telling me that's not going to play in the big leagues? I, I don't need a degree from Harvard to tell you that that can play at this level. They're going to have a good bullpen. They're going to have yeah. good starting pitchers. They have the two, back. They have the two, yes, Bender's they have the two-time back-to-back National League and American League batting time. Like, hello? Like, they have big leaguers. I promise you. I, I promise yeah. they have big leaguers. And in Sherman's defense, you know, when guys like David Robinson are getting $11 million, maybe you can't blame the guy for not going out and, and acquiring some of these big free agents. Like, I would never, I, you know, I would not even spend anything close Would that, to that have made people happy if they brought no. back David Robertson and gave him $11 million because they signed a major leaguer? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, not, yeah been... not not a great example. He, he wasn't super popular. But you know what? Like, that's $11 million. Like, right. where, where, yeah, what my... pond are we supposed to be fishing in here? If those guys are getting $11 million, Exactly. You're, you're going to open up the – just because? We're doing it just because? Will it make people happy? If you spend $10 million just because, will that ease everybody's nerves? Slow down. Do the well, right it, thing. They're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think it matters on who they spend on because no one was really that happy. They spent a lot of money on Abisal Garcia. And even at the time before he started struggling with Miami, people weren't exactly ecstatic either. So I think it has to be the right person as well. And I think J.D. Martinez is the right guy. I don't think they're okay. not going to get him. But I think Tim Anderson is also the right guy, and I think that's a fair thing that will get people excited. I think that would be a great shortstop for the Miami Marlins I going agree. through what only we know he went through in Chicago. Publicly, there was just – it was always it was something weird. You know, the White Sox are obviously in a bit of turmoil. He never yeah. really talked to the media a whole lot, struggled. Do guys like that – He he's not 40. You bring, you give a guy a breath of fresh air and a different uniform and an opportunity to relax and just, just, just to change the scenery, how much would he yeah. cost you? Five, I think he yeah. might also. I think he might also fit really well with just the clubhouse, like guys like guys like Jazz and Nick Gordon, who were all over each other today. It was hysterical. Yeah. People are quick um, to say like Tim Anderson's a bad guy. Did, have you met him? Are you just no. reading what you see on Twitter? Is he a bad? What you know? What are we doing? Give the guy a chance. Maybe he's uh, a great guy. I don't know. Jake Berger spoke say, very highly of him when I asked yeah. um, last he year. Might know. He, 
Yeah, Berger knows, and I've heard I've heard only good things about Tim Anderson, and I think Oswaldo uh, Guillen, who Oswaldo uh, Guillen, Ozzy Guillen's son, who I was talking to a lot during the Caribbean series, mentioned how Tim Anderson's been been put in a bad light, and when he really shouldn't be. I don't I don't know about that the angle on Anderson. I I would probably say that I disagree with a lot of what you guys just said, not because of the clubhouse stuff, but because this is an aging player, and it seems like Gene Segura again. But that's 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 all I'll say on him. Uh, Anyways, that's that's all I'll say about that. I'm not saying anything else. I just don't think that he is an upgrade over what they currently have. That's all I'll say. He's not an upgrade over what they currently have that they could put at shortstop. I don't think he's an upgrade. That's it. What you guys were saying before, what you guys were saying before about bullpen, though, um, there's one other name to call out that you guys, or two other names to call out that we didn't really say here. Um, They still have Zach McCambly, who I still think is good uh, as a reliever, and they still have this guy Walbert Arias, who I think could be very good as well out of the bullpen. Bullpen and pitching-wise, I think they are good. I know Eli likes Arias. Anyways, um, I'm not on board with the Anderson thing on my side, but I agree with what you guys said on bullpen stuff and pitching depth. There's definitely bullpen depth. Pitching, starting pitching depth in the minors, I I don't know. But I I think they do have guys that can contribute in both ways this year. Um, And then there's some some good problems to have in the current rotation, and there's some not-so-good problems to have in the current rotation. So we're going to see how it plays out, but – there are some guys down there that can definitely contribute in both ways. Tim Anderson would be a cheap option that I don't hate bringing on. I just, obviously, I don't know the guy. None of us know the guy personally. Jake Berger speaks very highly of him, but what we've seen is not very good. But just depends on the price. Depends on the price because John Birdie said to make three and a half million dollars. Do I think John Birdie's better than him right now? Probably safer bet, but Tim Anderson can play shortstop better. And if you can get him for a similar price as John Birdie said to make, you make that deal, and unfortunately, you 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 probably look to move John Birdie at that point. But Here's I, the thing, yeah, John I'd Birdie's also John Birdie's four years older. And now let, let right. me ask this question: He has played a substantial amount of time in the big leagues. Has he ever been run out there every single day? No, he gets exposed. For, he was he was struggling last year with it with with injuries too. Later on in the season, from just overwork. Right, and Skip alluded to in the middle of the season when people kept peppering him with, why aren't you running more? And his first response that I always loved was like, who do you want to run more? Like, who, who's galloping out there to steal second? Skip asked you know? Eli. Skip asked Eli. That oh, that's right. Right, right. And he, <laughs> he, was asked about that, but he was also asked about that during the season. And he alluded to there's a lot of stuff that you guys don't know. And I think he had mentioned something like lower extremity or something for Birdie. Yeah, it was, like, it was, something, with his, it was something with Birdie's legs. Okay, well, you know, he had, what, 16, 17 stolen bases last year or something? Like, I'm not saying that he's not better than Tim Anderson, but, you know, he's four years older. Um, Right. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. And just look at the year before for Tim Anderson in 2022. He had a 110 WRC+. plus. He only struck out at a 50% rate, which is really good. He also played 79 games. Over 300. I mean, it's not a bad option at the end of the day. It's definitely a bounce back guy. What, what's your well? That's the thing, Kevin. I think that's a common theme here this off season. The Miami Marlins have targeted players and brought players. A major a majority of the guys that they've gotten are players that have coming are coming to this organization that they think are due for bounce back seasons in the major leagues, right? And then you hope that Bruhan and a bride can figure it out. If they signed a guy like an Anderson, they would expect a guy to bounce back. Um, you know, so there's a lot of bounce back candidates and that's what the Marlins are going to, you know, in my opinion, that's 
how they're going to operate and they need to draft and develop. If they don't do that, yeah. this is not going to work, but they have to draft and develop. And I think they have yeah. the right people in place to do that. It's also and concerning you know, too when you, when you think about it, because it's a lot of what ifs, what if this guy bounces back? What if the other guy bounces back? That's, that's one way. I'm isn't that baseball there. though? What if we stay healthy? What if we don't stay healthy? Like, you know, it's the nature exactly. of the game. So, yeah. What, um, what makes me optimistic is that what are the two best teams in baseball at, at, revitalizing these t- players coming off of bad years, the Dodgers and the Rays. And what is this front office made of? Guys that Dodgers and, the Dodgers and the Rays. So I think that certainly helps. And it, it keeps me a little bit optimistic because look what the Dodgers do with every single guy that they bring to their team. Holy crap. They're great again. Look at Jason Hayward. It's just hopefully a little bit of that. That's your PD. Out. That's your player development. That's getting yeah. eyes on guys, giving them a breath of fresh air and trying to explain exactly. to them and trying to get them to trust you with the information you're going to provide them to try to help them. That's that's difficult to do. And I've always said, if you're going to start a major league organization, I'd probably start with the Rays, the Braves, and the Dodgers. And I think the Marlins yep. started with the Rays, and they acquired, for all intents and purposes, Peter Bendix. And yep. again, you know, Vinesh comes from Texas. I promise you 99% of baseball fans have no idea who that is because <laughs> it's just not something that registers on your radar as a fan. But right. those people are so important, and he's he's a wizard, and he has a history with Peter, and he speaks very highly of him, and those two have chemistry, and they're going to trust each other, and it's just so much, man, that people don't see that right. has to happen right to make your team at the big league level successful, um, and we'll see if they can do it. I think what you said, Kyle, rings true. Like, we've been talking a lot about the big league team, right? But as a last for me on what we all have to say is what they do in July is going to be equally important. Uh, how they develop these deeper down prospects like Noble Meyer and others is going to be very, very important on the player development side. And how do, how did, how is bringing all these minds that go behind that and that are behind that, right. how are they going to service these players as best as they possibly can? That is definitely getting the most out of your young talent. Marlins haven't done that with draft picks. They were not able to do that with draft picks previously. Are they going to be able to do it now? That is a huge, huge question for them to answer if they are going to become the feeder system that they need to be with a lower payroll. So that's the biggest question of this season going into the season for me is not what they do with the big league side, but what they do with player development. That is the huge, huge factor to focus on. And something that really, really, I hope they answer well, because it's very important. And here's Uh, my last thing on that. Peter said this from day one, and it rings very, very true. You have to have good people and people like persons. Like, Baseball is so hard, dude, and it's so long, and there's just so much failure that if you get the right people in your system, not just player development, but quite literally your managers and coaches at those minor league levels that can just flat out relate to some of these kids and, like, tell them it's going to be okay and, like, don't and try. Like, you, you just have to just be good, like, with people, man. Like, if you can get people to trust you, it's ultimately going to help them. It's going to help your organization. You can't just be robots and put an iPad in front of them every day and show them all the crap from last night. And oh, yeah, it, it, just stop. Like, seriously, and all the folks that I've talked to, I'm not saying I know this and I'm like, I'm the inventor of this, but holy cow, you have to have people in your organization that are really good with other humans and they can relate to them. And when a 19 year old is hitting a buck 60 and thinks the world is falling, like, it's okay. We'll get this figured out. Hang with me. We'll keep running you out there. We'll figure this out. Like that's that's all part of player development. It's it's not just taking them to the cage every day after you watch hours of video dissecting their right pinky toe that they need to change. So 
And I think that's a perfect way to close it out. I do um, too. Before we ended going all a little bit over time, but it, it was perfect. I think we have time for one last topic. It is Valentine's okay. Day. As you can, yeah. can see, we all don't have dates for tonight. We're all very lonely and talking about yeah, the Marlins and what's going to happen. Kyle, for us lonely men and for yeah. even the lonely women out there, what, what is uh, your advice for, for dating advice for everyone? Well, well we're in trouble. Words of wisdom. We'll start there. Now, <laughs> if you'd like me to put a date together, uh, is this a, is this a first date? If it if it's not, I think a great date would simply be to invite the young lady over and cook a nice meal for. Her. I think that's very very nice. Not many men can do that. There are not very many domesticated men anymore. <laughs> no, okay, there's just there's simply not. Now, if it's a first date, you pick her up unless she's more comfortable taking an Uber. If you pick her up, for the love of God, let's start by opening the passenger side door. Young lady in the car, open the door for her. Okay? You don't have to buckle her up. She can do that herself. She's not a toddler. Okay. <laughs> Drive safely. Now the first thing, engage in a little conversation in the vehicle. Get off the, don't drive. Don't drive with the phone in your hand. Now you don't, now there's trust issues immediately. It's never going to work. Put the phone down. Maybe some, you don't have to put some weird tunes on the radio. Turn it off. Let's see if we can engage in a conversation. What about Marlon's radio? It doesn't have to be extravagant. I would start with maybe a glass of wine and a cheese board to set the mood. I think a cheese board is great. Um, again, it doesn't Mingo. have to be too fancy. That's not um, kosher, though. Yes, it is. Oh, Stop yeah. listening to Lewis. Now, now listen. And as a little nightcap, I think maybe you start at the restaurant at the bar. Maybe you have a glass of wine at the bar. You have reservations for eight. We get there around 7.15. We have a glass of wine. You get to the table. Make sure you get a cheese board. Everybody gets their meals. You have the wrong woman now if she's not going to order food. If she's, I'm not hungry. No, no, no. Then you got to go. And we'll I try agree. Now, afterwards, how about a little putt-putt, a little mini golf? Yes. Huh? Ooh. Right? Okay. Right? Uh, no, we're all screwed, but happy, uh, happy uh, Valentine's Day. Kyle Seeloff, huge cheese board guy. That's a takeaway tonight. <laughs> no, not really, but I think that's probably the right thing to do. Are, are you the cooking guy? What's your meal? What's your meal to cook? Mm, the one thing I would cook, I, I, I don't love seafood. So if some woman wants to like salmon, no, 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 we're out for the most part. Um, I love cooking pasta. That's probably a little too heavy for a date. Uh, maybe a nice carbonara, though. So I love chicken parm. It's just going to be too heavy. It's just sitting there afterwards. Everybody's, you know, you're, you're just you're uncomfortable. Um, I have no idea, guys. Honestly, I'm sorry. I just no grill idea. some steaks, guys. Grill some steaks. Give her some yeah. jalapeno chips, and I promise you oh, that'll yeah. work. Isaac, who's gone, this is the date master. This is this is who we should have gone to. We should have gone to Isaac on that. Yeah, he's held in nah, He goes on too many first dates. That's his problem. We're going to end it there. Log me up, Kyle, log me up. Have you ever been there? Sure. Log me up, eh? No. And, okay, well, that is a cheese and charcuterie wine place in yeah, all of the country. Go. So yeah. I recommend that place if you have a nice young lady or to take out. All right. Well, listen, there. fellas, I'll see you next Wednesday. My check's in the mail. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to end it there. Right. Uh, as you can see, probably not the best to get uh, advice from a whole bunch of guys who watch Marlins 162 times a year. But again, we want to thank you for joining us for FOF Live presented by Burger and Hicks. Always, you can check them out. Instagram, uh, TikTok, you can DM Noah. Just hit up Noah. That's your main source right there. Go on their website, of course, Burger and Hicks, as always. 
Goldfish. Happy Valentine's Day.